0: You're listening to Comedy Central. February 12, 2020. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Show. I'm Trevor Noah, our guest tonight is one of the hardest working actors around. You know him from Atlanta, Knives Out, Get Out, and the new movie, The Photograph. LaKeith Stanfield is joining us, everybody! Also on tonight's show, the Democratic Party is getting real, the Titanic is in trouble, and Jesse Smollett is making a sequel. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with Jussie Smollett, Empire actor and Black Pinocchio. (laughs) A year ago, he told an incredible story about being jumped on the street by two Trump supporters. And now, someone might finally go to jail for that attack. The dramatic new turn that's thrust the Jussie Smollett case Back into the spotlight. That's right. He's once again facing charges in Chicago for claiming he was the victim of a hate crime attack. This morning, Smollett is facing six new charges of disorderly conduct for lying to police. The move, a stunning reversal after prosecutors dropped all 16 charges the actor originally faced in this new indictment, the special prosecutor's office says Smollett made numerous false statements to Chicago police on multiple occasions, reporting a a heinous hate crime that he in fact knew had not occurred. Yes, Jussie Smollett is back in the headlines, this time for being indicted over reporting a fake hate crime. And it really sounds bad, until you remember that his plan all along was to get a recurring storyline that doesn't go away. So he kind of got what he wanted, you know? This is what he wanted. (laughs) And look, I know what Jussie did was wrong, but I won't lie, at the same time, I kind of feel bad for him, right? Because he gets into trouble now for calling in fake crimes, but those permit patties who made those bullshit calls to 911, they live their lives. They just, they do their thing. In fact, maybe, maybe that should be Jussie's punishment. He should be forced to get a white lady nickname. That should be it, yeah? (laughs) Everywhere he goes, people are like, well, 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 there goes Subway Smollett, there he is. (laughs) But let's move on to Roger Stone, Trump campaign aide and the Monopoly man's cocaine dealer. This week, he was about to be sentenced for lying to the FBI and threatening witnesses. But luckily, he's got friends in oval places. Late tonight, all four federal prosecutors on the Roger Stone case have quit after the department undercut their recommended sentence. Just yesterday, those career prosecutors recommended he get seven to nine years behind bars. But late tonight, the DOJ in a filing calling the initial recommendation excessive and unwarranted. Just hours after President Trump tweeted overnight, blasting the sentence prosecutors initially recommended as horrible and very unfair, the president denying he had any Anything to do with it <laughs> You seem from your tweet today that you were upset about the Roger Stone sentencing. did yeah, you
1: I thought it was ridiculous. Did you ask the that Justice that Department that. Well, I didn't to change speak that. to the just I'd be able to do it if I wanted. Mm-hmm. I have the absolute right to do it. Uh, I stay out of things uh, to a degree that people wouldn't believe
0: That's right, folks. that's right. I stay out of things. I stay out of everything. intelligence briefings, church, Melania's bedroom. I stay out of all of it I stay out. Stay out. This is actually crazy what happened here. The Justice Department recommended Roger Stone get seven to nine years in prison, right? Trump then tweets that their recommendation is too harsh, so they then cancel their recommendation. And then Trump says, he's totally staying out of it. That's not what he did. He's staying out of it the same way the Kool-Aid man stays out of a room. Did I use the door? Oh, no. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Trump is acting like his Twitter account can't influence the Justice Department, like they can't see his tweets. You know, it's like someone saying, I didn't ask her to marry me, I just had will you marry me written in the sky. Anybody could have said yes, it could have been anybody. <laughs> and not only was it wrong for Trump to get involved in his friend's case, it was also totally unnecessary. Because there's, if there's one person who looks like he can break out of prison on his own, it's this guy. <laughs> All right, and finally, you guys remember how the Titanic crashed? Well, uh, it happened again. A new report claims the wreck of the Titanic was hit by a submarine last year, but the U.S. government kept it a secret. That's according to legal documents reviewed by the British newspaper, The Telegraph. It says a $35 million underwater vehicle hit the Titanic wreckage in July. It comes ahead of what could be a landmark court battle over the future of the wreckage. Yo, this is insane. The Titanic was involved in another crash? Yo, their nationwide premiums are totally going through the roof, man. I'm glad that no one was hurt, because how would you explain that to people? (laughs) Yeah, just be like, Brian died in the Titanic. Yeah, this year, this year, yeah. (laughs) Titanic versus submarine is such a weird story. I mean, technically though, the Titanic is also a submarine. Yeah, really, any ship can be a submarine if your captain is shitty enough when you think about it. (laughs) You know what would be crazy though? Is if getting hit makes the Titanic unsink, like that could be a rule. right, if you crash, you go down. If you crash again, you get to come up. Yeah, so now it floats up to the top and then they back up on the surface. Everyone's like, yay, we're alive! And then the iceberg shows up like, well, well, who didn't learn their lesson? (laughs) All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. Yesterday, the second Democratic primary took place in New Hampshire the home of the White Mountains and the state that looks like Canada's butt plug. And the results may have changed the race for president in major ways. So let's take a look at the fallout in our ongoing segment, World War D. Coming out of the Iowa primary, the big winners were Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg and anyone who didn't build that shitty app. And last night in New Hampshire, those top two kept their momentum going. With a win in New Hampshire, Senator Bernie Sanders taking control as the Democratic front runner. But not too far behind him, Pete Buttigieg. Despite winning the popular vote in both Iowa and New Hampshire, Sanders is behind in the overall delegate race
2: by two. One of the night's other big winners, Senator Amy Klobuchar, who took third place. She capitalized on the moment by reintroducing herself to the country. Hello, America. I'm Amy Klobuchar and I will beat Donald Trump.
0: Yes, last night may have been the best night for Bernie Sanders since he won that free cruise on Noah's Ark, but (laughs) New Hampshire's biggest surprise was Amy Klobuchar, who burst into the national spotlight with a third-place finish. And the timing couldn't be better for Klobuchar. Because in many ways, you see, the presidential campaigns are like getting drunk at a party, right? You want to peak at the right time. See, the other candidates, they had their surge last year, which was too early. It's like getting wasted at 6 p.m. Yeah. (laughs) Because by the time the party's really going, you're puking in the bushes like, oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't base myself. Oh, I promise I'll do better in South Carolina. <laughs> so there's no denying that New Hampshire was great for Amy Klobuchar's campaign, and it was also a great night for news people who love wordplay.
2: Senator Amy Klobuchar wrote the clomentum. Are you feeling clomentum?
0: Clomentum is real, and she has it.
2: A clobus surge. Klo. Mentum. Clomentum. Clomentum. Clob you charged. Clob you surge. They
0: call it clomotion. Is there clomentum? Oh, this is fun. I want to try. I want to try. It's clobering time. Yeah, yeah. She gave them the old cloper dope. <laughs> yeah, New Hampshire has an outbreak of clomidia. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. She killed it like Clo J Simpson. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. No more. No more. No more. No more. <laughs> so for Bernie, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar, New Hampshire was a dream. But unfortunately for some other big-name candidates, it turned into a nightmare.
2: Another major New Hampshire headline, the candidates who fell far behind, including longtime national frontrunner Joe Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren. Both failed to get enough votes to earn any delegates before the race was called. Biden, who placed fifth, was on a plane to South Carolina, which will hold the nation's
3: next primary. Biden saw the writing on the wall. He had left even before
0: the polls had closed, live streaming into his campaign's New Hampshire watch party. Oh, Joe Biden left New Hampshire before the polls were even closed? I mean, I've heard of fans leaving the game early, but you know it's bad when the team leaves early to beat the traffic. The coach is just like, all right, guys, screw the fourth quarter. Uh, Let's just start the bus. I also feel especially bad for Biden supporters. I'll say that. Think about it. You came all the way out to see your candidate and then instead all you get is a video. Imagine you were in like the dentist chair and your doctor pops up on the screen like, Aloha from Hawaii. (laughs) Here are three simple steps to perform your own root canal. (laughs) So while Biden supporters wept frozen New Hampshire tears, the man himself was already in South Carolina looking toward the future. Joe Biden spent his
2: night in South Carolina. His campaign is staking survival on his strength with black voters.
3: I want y'all to think of a number. 99.9%. That's the percentage of African-American voters who have not yet had a chance to vote in America. Up till now, we haven't heard from the most committed constituency in the Democratic Party, the African-American community.
0: That's right, Joe Biden's campaign has basically become a Madea movie. If black people don't turn up, it's toast. And even though he's desperate, Biden does make a good point. Right? It is a little weird, you have to admit, it is a little weird that the story of the Democratic race has now been written by two states that aren't representative of the Democratic Party. Right? Think about it. Two overwhelmingly white states shape who the Democratic nominee will be. Then right? that's long before minority voters have had their say. It's almost as if the Democratic Party is having a buffet, but then white people get to pick the menu. You know. And if you're black, that sucks, because you get there and you're just like, man, why the hell is there raisins and everything, man? <laughs> and, and who the is broccoli Rob? <laughs> so that's where the race stands after two primaries. Buttigieg and Bernie are neck and neck, and all the other candidates are hoping for a boost in Nevada and South Carolina. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's time for us to go away for a clo break. Get it, get it? All right, we'll be right back. New Hampshire primary gave life to Bernie, Pete, and Amy Klobuchar. But while the New Hampshire giveth, it also taketh away. The race
2: is getting smaller as of last night's results. We did see uh, the suspension or termination of presidential campaigns by Andrew Yang and Senator Michael Bennett. Tonight is not gonna be our night, but let me say this to New Hampshire, you may see me once again.
0: You know, I am the math guy. And it is clear tonight from the numbers that we are not going to win this race. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, though, thank you all, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. I'm not gonna lie, I I don't get why candidates always say they'll be back when they know they won't. No, I know they don't want to seem like a loser, but why not just be honest, you know? Why not just be like, New Hampshire, you guys are never gonna see me ever again. Like, they, it's the same problem with movie villains. Even when they're falling off a cliff or a building at the end, they're like, I'll be back. No, no you won't. No, you won't. Like, it would be nice if they were honest, just like, you and your family are safe forever. <laughs> but even though he's gone, Andrew Yang did leave a lasting impression on the 2020 race. Right? His plan for universal basic income made a big splash, and it even had an impact in the real world. You see... He gave several families $1,000 a month for a year to test out his plan. And we sent Ronnie Chang to find out how it went.
2: Yesterday, Andrew Yang dropped out of the 2020 presidential race, and I'm a little sad about it. Last year, I met him in person, and there was just something about the guy that made me trust him. Not to mention, I really wanted that free money he was promising. Every American adult at the age of 18 should get $1,000 a month, free and clear, from the government to do whatever they want. Making it rain! It's called UBI, or Universal Basic Income. And although the dream died with Yang's campaign, a few lucky families did get $1,000 a month for a year as a test program, like the Fassi family of New Hampshire. Uh, Basically, he gave us a check for
3: $1,000 a month from January until December of 2019.
2: We went to his New Year's Eve party, and so that's how we got our first check, was at midnight. He wrote a check and gave it to you physically? And then after probably three months, he was getting really busy. He forgot he about forgot us. He forgot about us. What? He didn't, he didn't pay on time? Yeah, it was yeah. very odd sending out a message like, hey, you owe us money. So you guys were like, hey, asshole, where's my free money? We said it much, much like, nicer than that. Oh, hey, asshole, where's my free money? <laughs> so how hard did Chuck and Jody ball out with their $12,000? Did you buy a Tesla, buy a snowmobile? You buy a Tesla snowmobile?
3: No, we spent 90% of it on our daughter's college tuition.
2: College tuition, I guess that's pretty good. Uh, What else? Spent a little bit
3: on groceries, buying some healthier choices, kombucha and some uh, soy yogurt. Isn't
2: (laughs) yogurt and kombucha for shitting? Digestion. Uh, It's for digestion. So now that the money's stopped, you must be pretty backed up, right? But luckily for Chuck's colon, he was so inspired by his UBI experience that he learned how to brew his own kombucha. (laughs) And it is potent. Just, what is it?
3: It's a big blob of bacteria that's been sitting in some
2: fermented tea in my bathroom for about six weeks. (laughs) Bathroom juice aside, these people spend their UBI on college, groceries, and paying bills. What a bunch of idiots. It's like they don't even know what flexing means. You guys could be in head-to-toe supreme right now. Do you know what supreme is? No. No. That's how you flex to your neighbors and make them jealous. That's what money's for. Okay, Chuck. Okay, Jody. But believe it or not, falling out is the last thing on most Americans' minds. Half of American adults say they can't even cover an unexpected $400 expense. Clearly, if you give people $1,000 a month, they would spend it on necessities, with a few exceptions. What else did you buy? Um, I Chucky joined. took
3: improv classes. I've so been doing that for the last <laughs> eight months.
2: You took improv classes?
3: Yeah, mindful improv classes.
2: What the f- does that mean?
3: It means we do self-appreciations, we do vulnerabilities. Ugh. Um, it's taught by
2: a yoga teacher. Oh, oh my god. Andrew Yang may be out of the presidential race, but his ideas live on, and Americans deserve a shot at universal basic income. Well, maybe not all Americans. How you doing?
3: A lot. Oh, I lost my hand.
2: I hate improv.
0: Hey, Chang, everyone. We'll be right back. So my guest tonight is an amazing actor you know from Get Out, Sorry to Bother You, and Uncut Gems. His new movie is called The Photograph. Please welcome Lakeith Stanfield! <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. That's a beautiful crowd, here. Wow. The pitches of the screams are not usually that high, <laughs> although I feel you're used to that. Um, before we get into this movie in particular, is it safe to say that you are the least typecast actor in Hollywood? Because, like, oh. like if I think of all the movies that you're in, whether it's Uncut Gems, you know, whether, whether it's, like, Get Out... I mean, like, Get Out, Like that, that was an extreme feat of acting because you were playing a black man who was a white man at one point who used to be a black man. That's powerful act, not many
1: people can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I, I would hope I was uh, the least typecast. Right. You know, actors, we, we don't like that.
0: Right, you, you, wanna, you wanna be in as many different roles as possible and that's something you've achieved. Do you, do you purposefully choose your scripts like that? So do you go, I'm gonna go from one movie to another type? You don't just stay in one genre?
1: Yeah, I kind of try to pick things that speak to me. Um, so, you know, as I grow, um, the kind of things that I'm attracted to and affect me kind of uh, sort of expand. Right. So... Yeah, I just I just try and be close to things that that mean something and I've been very fortunate to be a part of a, a, a whole bunch of different kinds of, of projects.
0: Not, not not many actors would take the chance of going into a rom-com, you know, because it's 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 scary when you've gone from drama, comedy's difficult, you know, romantic comedies. In many ways people are saying you bringing them back now. You know, it's been like mm. what 15 years since we lived through the golden age of black romantic comedies, you know, thin line between love and hate mm-hmm. with a you know, like all those movies Love and Basketball, etc. Right. you seeing on screen two amazing actors that people love, you know, it's yourself and Issa. Mm-hmm. Is, is that part of the reason you chose the movie where you were like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is like for this generation now?
1: It was. I, I wanted to see uh, a resurgence of dark skin love on, on, on screen. And so, yeah. yeah, so that was, that was a big part of it, but the story was written very well. I wanted right. to work with Issa, um, I wanted to work with Stella, and so everything fell into place in a, in a nice way. You
0: know. you, uh, you've been called one of the mavericks of the red carpet just by people. You know, most people, most of us, when we're on a red carpet, we try and, and look, like, appropriate for the carpet, like, we, like, stand up and do the, you, you have broken the red carpet multiple times. Like, you get there and you just do your own thing. You, you sat down, see, like, you just sat there uh, at the Emmys, and then I think there was another red carpet where, yeah, you just came in, right, in a, in a ski mask, right? And then one of my favorites is at the Joker premiere. You just showed up as the, you, do you, you don't take it. You don't take it seriously at all, do you? I don't get no. <laughs> no.
1: Is there a reason? I uh, just got to be comfortable, man. You right. got to do things your way, and you know you got to enjoy yourself. I think is the most important thing. Sometimes it's a little bit too high strung and, and stressful trying right. to appease everybody. So you got to have fun. And that one, my legs were just tired, so I sat down.
0: Wait, your legs were tired. Like, just from standing
1: on yeah, the Yeah, it was a lot of interviews. I was going up and I was like, let me take a seat real quick. Yeah.
0: I like that about you, Lakeith. You've just got the swag about you where you're just like, I'm just going to do my thing.
1: Yeah, you got to, man. It's too stressful trying to make everybody happy.
0: <laughs> um, Issa's in the movie. She's one of the funniest people, both, like, scripted and off the cuff. Um, the two of you, are you know, you, you, you're playing back and forth together. I've always wondered this. When you are in a movie like this, is there a point where you find yourself, like, by mistake, falling in love? Because they... you, you're opposite. I've always, genuinely, I've always wondered that. Like, when, you, when you're in a romantic movie with somebody...
1: Yeah, I think you're trying to design a connection that will translate on camera. So I think you're trying to get into a flow with the person and kind right. of break down the barriers of uh, what you don't know and, and and tap into what you do know, which is uh, sort of a universal spirit. So that way when the cameras come on, there's a natural thing going on. So yeah, it's just rapport, breaking down the ice, cracking jokes, kicking back, you know what I mean, relaxing. and. Then when you get on screen, it looks like you guys have known each other. But, you know, there's different ways of chipping at it and getting at it. But I think the main best way to do it is just trust. Get in there, trust fall, go in naked, you know, emotionally, so to speak.
0: I've heard, I've heard directors say about your acting specifically that what makes Lakeith special is that you don't care about what you look like on screen. Mm-hmm. You care about putting the character, you know what I mean, getting the character across. You... Yes. you, you You've been acting since you were like, what, 14, maybe even earlier in life? Yeah. Where do you, where do you develop that from? Where do you just wake up and go like, no, I'm, I'm fully in this. I'm not Lakeith in this moment. I'm fully this person, and I don't care what I look like. I care what the person
1: sees. I'm a little crazy. Um, <laughs> but also, I think it's, uh, you know, first of all, it's, it's appealing to the story. The story is the most important thing. Yeah. And then the characters come secondary. And what I look like really ain't got nothing to do with nothing. So I just kinda of try to focus on the job and execute. Like that's the bit. but if I need to be worried about what I look like, then I'm worried. You know, it just, right, right, just right. depends on what's necessary.
0: Where where do you go from here? Because I mean you've been in I guess like a thriller slash horror, you you've been in in action, you've been in like surreal dark comedies, you've been in romantic comedies. Where, where is there something you want to do that you haven't done? Is there like a dream project you have?
1: Yeah, I think my dream project is the one I have coming out. Um, It's an untitled Fred Hampton project. I did with Shaka King and Daniel is my co-star. And it's just a beautiful story that's about this guy who really fought for our freedom and our love and our ability to to love and express the way we want to. And those are the kinds of things I want to be a part of. If I can talk about something and say something and mean something when I got an option to, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. So that's my kind of project.
0: That sounds amazing. That really sounds amazing. I'm excited to see you uh, in this movie. I'm excited to see what you do for the rest of your career. I've, I have money on you beating Samuel L. Jackson's record for the most movies. Oh, shit. I genuinely... <laughs> I, think, I think you might. That'd be fire. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, my Pleasure friend. Pleasure, Great having you here. The Photograph will be in theaters February 14th. Valentine's Day, people. The Keith